Amen. Good morning. Well, I've got a question as you begin today. Uh, how many of you have ever hiked before? Any hikers? Okay. So most people, if you live in Presque Lung, you've, you've been for a hike. And one of the beautiful things about the place where we live is it's awesome to get outside. Uh, not generally this week, uh, but throughout most of the year, it's awesome to be able to get outside and go for a hike. There's lots of different options. If you want to get really rambunctious, make it to the hop of top of Granite Mountain. If you're looking for something mild and easy, go along the Peavine Trail. But, but the hiking is one of the most popular activities. And even just thinking about hiking this week got me excited for spring. Um, I never wanted to live where there was snow. And so I'm excited for warmer weather. But if you've ever been hiking before, you know that there, there are invariably moments where you think that you're close to the top. And you're like, man, I'm getting tired. I hope we're almost there. And you're like, okay, just, just at this point, we'll be there. And then you get there and you're like, oh, I still have a long way to go. And that happens even here in Prescott, but it especially happens with people that we call mountaineers, people who climb crazy mountains, like this one right here. This is Mauna Slough, the eighth highest mountain in the world, located over 8,000 meters high in the country of Nepal. And a number of people have scaled Mauna Slough, including this guy named Mark Horrell. And Mark's a, a writer. He's a, a mountaineer expert. He's got an incredible blog where he, he kind of recaps all of his amazing adventures. And in 2011, he hiked to the very top of this mountain, Mauna Slough. It was kind of a, an accomplishment he'd been working on for years and years. And so Mark came back and he wrote about it and he shared his experience. And then in 2013, Mark had a friend send him a video. And they're like, hey, you should see this video. And I brought a little portion of the video here. This video is of two Japanese mountaineers climbing Mauna Slough. And so this guy, who's got way more courage than I do, um, is going up the side of this ridge right here with his friend. This is over 25,000 feet in the air, by the way. And his friend helps him make it to this point. And then as you do, he grabs his camera to take a photo, which to me is like the scariest selfie in the world right here. If you've got heights, you may be having just a panic attack right now. Don't worry, I'll, I'll take the slide off eventually. But as Mark is watching this video, he has a painful, painful realization. He realizes that he didn't actually make it to the top when he climbed this mountain. You see, he realized that he actually stopped early. But before you get too discouraged for our friend Mark, neither did these guys. Like this is actually the top of the mountain. There's actually two more peaks right here. Now you might be saying, Scott, if you made it to right here, is it really that big of a deal to go all the way to right there? I don't know. Maybe we're just splitting snow or splitting hairs. But, but the truth is, those climbers and our friend Mark, they didn't actually reach the summit. They stopped at what mountaineers call the false summit. And fall summits are those kind of experiences that you've had, not on top of Mauna Slough, the eighth highest mountain in the world, but those moments where you're like, okay, it's right there. I just got to get there. I just got to get there. And you get there and go, oh, I still have farther to go. It's that feeling of disappointment and expectation when you get to the place that you thought was the top and then you realize it wasn't the top. 
And here's what Mark wrote once he realized what had happened. He said, it seems that for years now, people who've climbed Montesquieu in the autumn seasons have been returning home believing they reached the summit when in fact they only reached the four summit or the false summit. Because when you go hike in the spring, the snow is much deeper and more significant. And so you don't actually realize where the top is. And so Mark realized, hey, I went in the spring and I stopped short of, when I mean, he went in the autumn, and these guys went in the spring. And as I was watching this video this week and I was reading about Mark's story and, and kind of living vicariously through them, because I don't have nearly that discipline or courage to make it as far as they did, a thought hit me, and that's that there are false summits everywhere in life. Not just on hikes or in mountaineering, but there are all sorts of moments that we have in our lives where we look to them as kind of the peak. You, you may have said to yourself at one point, hey, once I reach and then put in whatever your accomplishment is, then I'll feel peace, secure, enough. Maybe it was a promotion, maybe it was a certain size house, maybe it was a, a certain amount of income, maybe it, was, maybe it was being married when you were single, maybe it was having kids, maybe it was having a relationship, be mended, whatever it was, but, but this is often a false summit, that you think I'm going to reach that accomplishment and then I'll be okay. Some of us, our false summit is, is the end of a project or a season, and we say to our family, hey, it's just a season. I know it's crazy right now, but hey, it's just a season, and when the season is over, we get to that summit, we'll be fine. And your family rolls your eye, their eyes because you've been saying it's a season for years now. You've been through two winters and two springs and two summers and two falls. It isn't a season, it's your life. And the challenge is, is when you buy into false summit thinking, you get tempted to give up and turn back because you put all of your effort in getting to that milestone or that marker. And when it doesn't turn out the way you thought it did, you completely tap out. You're, you've exhausted all of your reserves. One interesting thing you may or may not know, but actually more people die on their way down the mountain than they do up. These mountaineers who climb these crazy tall mountains in Nepal often exert all their energy getting to the top, only to find themselves dying on the way down. And so here's a question that I want to wrestle you with this morning. Are you in danger of giving up and turning back, not on the side of a mountain, but in life, because it's too hard and you feel too discouraged? As a pastor, on a, a daily basis, I feel like I'm encountering people who are discouraged and thinking about giving up. Perhaps it's in their marriage or their faith. Perhaps it's in some sort of relationship or some endeavor. Perhaps it's getting out of debt or overcoming an addiction. But, but the danger of false summits is real because it, what it does is it puts the purposes and the plans and the things that we're doing that are incredibly important at risk because we say, hey, I, I just, I can't do anymore. I'm going to throw in the towel. Now, some of you are like, Scott, I thought today was about the state of the church, not climbing mountains. Well, you're right. And you're wrong. Because it's about both. 
You see, what we're going to do today is actually a model about how to overcome false summits. We're going to talk about the state of our church and what God has been doing, what we see him doing. And, and I don't want it just to be about, hey, cornerstone in the kind of macro sense. Because the model that we're going to follow about how we celebrate and reflect and look ahead is the same model that you can follow today if you're facing a false summit. Or if you're navigating a false summit. And so even as we share with you things about our church, I want to share with you principles that I think are transferable to where you're living and where you'll probably be living in the future. So if you're taking notes today and you got one of these sheets when you walked in along with your communion elements, I'm going to encourage you to write some things down today. And the first way that you overcome false summits is that you celebrate where you see God at work. When you feel discouraged, when you feel ready to give up, when you feel like all is lost, it's important to pause and celebrate the good things that are happening and the progress that you're making and what God is actually doing. And as a church, we do all we can to practice the discipline of celebration. You might go, Scott, discipline sounds like hard and boring and frustrating and celebration sounds exciting. Well, for those of us who don't naturally celebrate or who tend to kind of go onto the next mountain, onto the next hill, celebration takes discipline. And as a church, we're passionate about transformation because we believe that Jesus is still in the business of changing lives. And so we want to celebrate the lives that he's changing and the way that he's working today. So the first thing that we're celebrating today is that in 2023, we baptized 20 people, which was the most we have baptized in five years since 2019 before the pandemic. So if you want to give a round of applause, you can do that. I want to share with you one of the stories of baptism that happened this year. This is this guy, James, who's a part of our church, and uh, he was baptized back in December. And so I asked James to share a little bit of his story with us. And he said this, he said, I spent six years fighting a spiritual and mental war on my own, thinking that my problems were mine to solve, they could only, and that I could only be strong if I won those battles. So I kept secrets, I isolated my emotions, I ignored God, and I grew distant from my family and my friends. Although I had periods where it felt like I was winning, I always found myself at the beginning hoping the same strategies would work, but they never did. After each failure, I became more obsessed with solving my problems, and I began to lose a sense of identity and hope. He goes, and if I was a loser in this war, I was a loser in life. I lost myself with this mindset, but it was through this loss that I could be reborn. In late September 2023, I reached a point where I felt as if some crucial part of my life was missing. So I turned to the internet and I found Cornerstone. I was drawn to it by the young adult Bible study it had at the time. And I viewed the Sunday service as something that I might occasionally participate in. But during the first service I attended which involved reciting the Lord's Prayer. We did a series on prayer last fall. He said, I felt God's forgiveness. In that moment, I felt as if all the evil I'd ever done and all the pain I'd carried were washed away and replaced with unfettered relief. From that moment on, I knew that God was the missing piece in my life. I began reading the Bible from cover to cover and developed a greater understanding of God's Word. I also began to regularly attend services, and soon after that memorable Sunday, I met Pastor Scott. After having lunch and sharing my story with him, I committed to being baptized in December. And when the time for my baptism, my baptism arrived, I was thankful for the progress I had made in only a few months and that my father was there, who I'd been estranged from, 
to see my rebirth. Although I am not fond of my past struggles, I accept them as part of my story, for without them, I may have never discovered God, the power of God, and Cornerstone Church. So, amazing story that God is working in James's life. And in our annual report, which you'll get later today, we're going to share a bunch of little fun facts with you. One of the fun facts that we discovered this year is that when you search for Prescott Church on Google, we are the number one result. So what that means is that when James typed, I need a church in Prescott, Google directed him to us, which to me feels like an incredible responsibility that anybody who's in this community, the first place they turn is here. And I just want to tell you, it's also your responsibility too. Because typically people are here for 25 or 30 minutes before they meet me. But they're often here for 20 or 30 seconds and then they meet you. And studies show that people make a decision where they're going to come back to a church in the first five to seven minutes. Long before I ever walk out here. So we have an incredible opportunity to influence our community. I'm going to give you a little picture of Cornerstone each week. On average, our church has about 576 people in attendance. 60% of those are in person and 40% of those are online. So we have a massive group that attends every week online. Sometimes that's you when you're traveling or you're sick. Or maybe those of you watching at home are just a little bit too snowed in still to get out. Other, other people, that's part of their regular practice is they, they, they enjoy and they engage with church online. They give, maybe they're part of a, one of our online groups. Uh, one thing to celebrate is in 2023, you gave $1.344 million to our general fund and emissions, which is an incredible number. You guys can celebrate that if you want to as well. At this message last year, we laid out a challenge that we wanted to bring back our children's ministry at the 1030 service. And because 28 of you stepped up to serve, we reopened kids ministry at our 1030 service. And so we're grateful for each and every one of you who stepped up to serve. I brought a story of one of those 28 people. Um, this is not John. This is one of our kids enjoying donuts uh, on uh, Easter. But John said this, in his sermons, Pastor Scott has always talked about how growth is often uncomfortable comfortable, that we need to step out in faith and trust that God will see us through in whatever he's called us to do. That was the catalyst for me when I felt the nudge in my spirit to make myself available to help out in the children's church. I'm becoming more comfortable every time I serve in this capacity. I've been working with third through fifth graders. They ask some wonderful questions and share some wonderful thoughts, and it's been a blessing to serve in this opportunity. So John, I'm grateful that you stepped up even though you were uncomfortable to serve. Um, we also want to share with you that we have 254 people who are actively involved in community groups each week and 274 people who are serving on a serving team. About this time last year, I heard a great story that involved Ryan and Hannah. They're kind of back over here at the table right here. And uh, they have some really sweet kids. And uh, Ryan and Hannah were contemplating leaving Cornerstone. And uh, you go, Scott, why would you share a story about somebody who's contemplating leaving Cornerstone? Well, Ryan and Hannah were struggling to connect. They didn't feel connected. They came on Sundays, but they didn't feel like they were dialed in. So they had a conversation as a family about, hey, let's move and find a different church. But they said, hey, if we go to a different church, we're going to have to like do stuff. You know, we're going to have to like serve and get involved in groups and talk to people and, you know, put ourselves out there. And they go, hey, those are all the things that we didn't do at Cornerstone. What if we just tried to do the things we do at a new church at our current church and see what happens? 
which is a great thought. Some of you may be thinking, I should probably do the same thing. Um, and so this is what Ryan and Hannah said to us. They said, we'd attended Cornerstone for a while, but never really felt connected. Being in a small group was the first step Ryan and I took to become more involved. It has been a great way for us to connect with some wonderful people who attend Cornerstone. Through community, we've enjoyed fe- fellowship and created friendships that we cherish. And so that's a part of what we celebrate today is that for some of you in the past year, what you did was you got courageous. You did something that felt uncomfortable that you'd never done before. And through that, God did some amazing things. We also want to celebrate that together we invested over $200,000 in missions this past year, which is just a, a really exciting thing. And, and over the last couple weeks, we've been talking about this you in five years thing. And, and one of the principles for the series we just ended was this, that we tend to overestimate what we can do in one year, and we underestimate what God can do in five years. And so I'm not really great at math, but I asked our treasurer to do some counting for us. And if you think about like the last series is, what about the next five years, you know, 24 to 29? I said, hey, can we look back in the past and look over the past five years? And the figure I was given this week is that over the last five years together, we've invested almost a million dollars in missions causes. If you're a clapper, that's worth clapping. <laughs> this is what God does. We tend to underestimate what we can accomplish in one year, but when we, when we commit ourselves to partnering with the Holy Spirit and we work together, we can do amazing things. If I told you this year, hey, I want us to give a million dollars to missions, you'd be like, okay, Scott, calm down. Obviously, you're a little hyped for the game today. Like, we're not going to be able to get there. But in five years, look what God does. So I've been sharing with you guys some items that you can dive deeper into yourself today. We want you to get a copy of our annual report when you leave today. It's available in the lobby or at prescottcornerstone.com slash report. It's 16 pages of statistics and stories, and, and we'd encourage you to read through it, to reflect on it, to discuss it, and to explore what God might want to do in your life in the next year. I mentioned this, this false summit thing that we're going to return to all throughout this morning. And I mentioned celebration because I believe that celebration is the antidote to discouragement. When you're discouraged, the last thing you want to do is celebrate. I mean, let's be real, right? Like if you're discouraged, there's a lot of things you want to do. You want to go get a, you want to go spend time with your favorite friends, Ben and Jerry, you know, like you, you, you want to go and, and get a glass of your favorite beverage, you know, maybe you want to isolate yourself or turn on the lights or, you know, play some Nirvana, you know, like really dive into those darker emotions. But what I have found is that what I want to do when I'm discouraged is not always what I need to do when I'm discouraged. And what I need to do is what Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians 5. He says this, he says, Rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, now when I'm in the midst of discouragement, I'm praying constantly, but I don't feel like rejoicing and I don't feel like giving thanks. But what I have found is that if I will give thanks and look for the things that I can celebrate, if I can look for the places that I can rejoice, that those practices and those disciplines will help me to find the resources and the reserves to keep going. 
And so I would encourage you today that if you're facing a false summit or you're facing discouragement, remember to celebrate what you see God doing and where you see him at work and watch what that celebration does to reorient your perspective. The second thing I want us to do today, and you should do if you're facing a false summit, is that we remember our purpose. We remember our purpose. As followers of Jesus, we're to be constantly reminding ourselves of the fact that we have a reason to be here and a purpose for living. And every church has a mission, and we have a mission as followers of Jesus, and our mission is really just an expression of the Great Commission. When Jesus left his disciples, he gave them a mission and he gave them a purpose. And it's stated at the end of Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus says, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And then Jesus says, And remember... I am with you always to the end of the age. When Jesus came, he gave us a mission and he gave us a mandate. And the way that we express that and put that into language here at Cornerstone is that Cornerstone Church exists to help people take their next step with Jesus. That's why we're here. We believe that every person has a next step with Jesus, that this side of heaven, none of us look like Jesus in every area of our lives. And if you think you don't have any next steps with Jesus, I'd encourage you on the way home with the person you drove with to ask them if you have any next steps with Jesus, because I think they probably have some ideas for you. And so I'd encourage you to recognize the fact that none of us ever arrive. And to go back to the, that kind of mountaineering kind of metaphor, we're always going to be climbing the mountain that this mission describes. There's no, there's no summit for us when it comes to our mission. There's no moment where it's like, ah, you know, we've arrived. It's not. We're always going to be climbing this mountain because every day, including Sundays, you have a next step and I have a next step. That, that none of us have made it, even though I'm up on, I don't know, maybe a few inches, maybe a foot higher than you. That doesn't mean that I'm on top of the mountain and I've kind of reached the summit of being like Jesus. Just ask my wife or ask my kids or ask our staff or ask our board. I haven't. And in the same way, every day there are people in this community who have a next step. It's great that we have like a bazillion churches in the Quad Cities. But with as many churches as we have, most people on a Sunday morning are not in church. And that means that we have people in our community who have a next step with Jesus, and they have a next step with connecting with the church. And that means as long as this community's here, whether we grow bigger or whether we don't, what happens in terms of development and growth, there's always going to be a mission in front of us at Cornerstone if our purpose is to help people take their next step with Jesus. So some of you are like, Scott, that means we're going to be hiking for a long time? Yeah. <laughs> but it also means there's always opportunities. And we have a set of values as a church that shape how we live out this mission, how we lean into this mission. And we read from Matthew earlier, but I want to encourage you, if you have your Bible, open up today to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians is near the back of your Bible. Uh, the way I learned it was uh, General Electric Power Company for Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. And, and in Ephesians chapter 4, 
we have a verse, a passage that, that inspired one of our core values as a church. And here's what Paul says. He says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. He continues, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. That's that's why none of us arrive. Because if the measurement is Christ's fullness, all of us always have room to grow. So you're not comparing yourself to your buddy, and I'm not comparing myself to my friend. We're all comparing ourselves to the stature of Jesus' fullness. But here's what Paul says. He says, Then we will no longer be little children tossed about by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow up in every way into him who is the the head, Christ. And then later in the book of Colossians chapter 1, Paul says something similar. He says, we proclaim him, Jesus, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that, purpose statement right here, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And that's one of, why one of our values at Cornerstone, one of the things that are most important to us is equipping people to live out their faith in public. If you attend church on Sunday morning at Cornerstone, then that means you spend 167 hours not here. If you serve on a Sunday morning, maybe you're here for three hours, and so you spend 164 hours not here. And if we only equip you to live your faith out here, then that means 99.9% of your life remains untouched. And so we want to equip you not to live out your faith when we're together, but to live out your faith when we're not here. And so here's how we describe this value. We say we've all been placed in jobs and neighborhoods and relationships by God on purpose and for a purpose. We equip people with the resources they need to live out their faith in the midst of everyday life, furthering our mission inside and outside of the church's walls. When people get stuck in that calling, they know that our church is a resource for the content and the community needed to help them get unstuck. And so we care about and we highly value the fact that you are invested on mission with Jesus Christ. You're in relationships with people who probably don't have fond feelings about what we're doing right now. You'd probably have to pay them a lot of money to come and sit here and listen to me on a Sunday morning. Just yesterday, or maybe Friday, I was with a friend, and he said, hey, come to church with me. And he said, okay, do, do Brazilian jiu-jitsu with me. And so there, that's the deal they're working out. He's going to come to church, and he's going to do jiu-jitsu. Like, that's a high commitment. I mean, he could get injured. I mean, there's lots of things. And you have friends like that, that, that maybe aren't kind of high on church or high on Christianity that aren't a fan. And so as you're living out your faith, you run up against topics or you get asked questions or you're like, man, I don't know how to do what they're asking me to respond to. How do I figure that out? And we as a church, we want to equip you so that in those moments, when you get stuck, you know that you can find the resources and the help through what we're doing here at Cornerstone. 
And that's why when, when you double over in the midst of climbing that mountain and you say, hey, why should I keep going? We think that purpose can help sustain you. Hey, I'm helping somebody take their next step with Jesus. Now you might say, Scott, but they haven't been baptized yet. So? Well, they haven't like come to church yet. So? They're still talking to you. They're still having lunch with you. They're still asking questions of you. That's where it starts. And so I want to encourage you that that one of the reasons that I think so many of us give up is we lose sense of our purpose. I was going to bring a picture and I forgot because I now have a sense of insecurity in my life. And I'm blaming Pastor Josh for it. It's, It's totally his fault. A couple weeks ago, I'm preaching. I'm sitting, Josh is preaching, and I'm sitting over there just trying to be a good staff member, taking notes. And Josh puts a picture of somebody. He's like, hey, this person's my friend, even though he's never met him. He's like, well, that's what Scott does. He says people are his friends, but he's never met him. Uh, it was a total burn, you know? And, and so I, I'm going to share with you a quote from my mentor's wife. And I forgot to bring a picture of me with my mentor, but it'll be on my Facebook later today. So you can just go on there and look at that because I, I know now have this insecurity to deal with. But my mentor is Michael Hyatt. His wife is Gail Hyatt. And Gail always says, people lose their way when they lose their why. And when you lose sense of why you're doing what you're doing, those are the moments where it's most dangerous for you to, to give up. Those are the moments where you're most tempted to throw in the towel. And part of the reason that I'm always talking to you about next steps is I want to remind you that we have this purpose. We have this why. We have this mission. And when we lose sight of that, the the danger is not that you forget some of my words. The danger is that you will give up in following Jesus because you forget how much this matters. Here's the third thing if you're struggling with a false summit today. You need to renew your hope and make plans for what's ahead. When we're seeking to continually scale that mountain, we need to continue to renew our hope and continue to make plans for what's ahead. And so today we want to share with you a couple plans that we have as a church because we think this is going to be a really exciting year. There's three things we're going to talk with you about today. And the first one is, is that we want to invest in your marriage. We know that the strength of a church is directly tied to the strength of marriages and families in the church. And we know that it is normal now for you to have an unhealthy marriage. It's normal now for your marriage to end in divorce. And that's why we're trying to work against that and chart a different course. And so today what we're announcing is that we're going to invest some time and some dollars to invest in your marriage through an event called Weekend to Remember that's hosted by Family Life. At the end of June in Scottsdale, Arizona, this is the Weston Kierlin Resort, Family Life is hosting a weekend marriage event that we're making available to people at Cornerstone. So this is a Friday, a Saturday, and a Sunday. A couple years ago, we hosted a, a Saturday workshop on marriage and then a Sunday message, which was great, but there's only so much you can go in depth when you're arriving after breakfast and you're leaving before dinner. And so if you're like, hey, our marriage could use some investment, our marriage could use some work, we'd encourage you to take advantage of this weekend. You can learn more today at prescottcornerstone.com slash marriage. Now you might say, Scott, is there a cost attached to it? There is. Oh, you mean it's not free? No, it's not. 
Here's what I've discovered. People put more value and more intentionality and commitment in things that they pay for as opposed to things they get for free. And over my seven and a half years at Cornerstone, we've watched couples choose to not go this direction, but go the other direction. And when you go online and you see a price tag, I just want you to know that the price you see for the cost of this retreat is tiny compared to the cost of going down a different road. And if you decide you're going to be cheap now, you may choose to pay a huge price later. So there's nothing more important than investing in your marriage. And we'd encourage you to take advantage of this. We also want to invest, number letter B, in your discipleship. So if you're like, Scott, I'm not married. That's great. This is for you. We want to invest in your discipleship. And to do that, we want to share with you about this. Now, some of you are like, Scott, you're paying for all of us to have Netflix. No, I'm not. <laughs> I know some of you are interested in that because they're cracking down on the whole sharing thing. So no, you, you cannot have my password. It's my password. <laughs> but how many of you have seen Netflix before? Okay, majority of you. Netflix is a great library for entertainment and enjoyment. Right now, media is the Netflix of video-based Bible studies. It's the largest video library of Bible studies in the world. And it's the place where so many of the authors and speakers and pastors and Bible study teachers that you enjoy put their content. And so starting this week, we're making Right Now Media, the largest video library, kind of a Netflix for video Bible studies available to our entire church. Right Now Media is a great tool if you're in one of those conversations with a friend and you're like, hey, I've got questions about X. Or you know what? I'd like to learn about that. And, and you go, hey, I want to do some searching. Over the next few months, our, as, a, as a staff, we're going to begin curating lists of studies on certain topics that you can go online and learn about. So starting today through the end of this week, if we have your email address in our database, you're going to get an email from Right Now Media that's going to have the instructions. If you don't get it by the end of today, don't freak out. Okay? Some of you guys just like... If you don't get it immediately, you get all kind of fired up. Um, give us some time. Take a little bit to roll this out. If you want to learn more, you can go today to prescottcornerstone.com slash rightnowmedia. All the information is there. And if you haven't gotten your email by next Sunday, then we'll have more information for you next Sunday about how you can initiate that process. So we want to invest in your marriage. We want to invest in your discipleship. And then let her see, we want a place to call our own. I mentioned uh, in December that we passed on purchasing another uh, church facility in the area because it wasn't a good fit for us. And so now we're in a season where we're searching for land. I was on a Zoom call with our elders on Thursday night because several of us were snowed in. And a significant portion of our meeting was looking at properties and opportunities. We'll be sharing more about this at our annual meeting, but I need you to know this is a high priority for us. We love being at the college. This is a great venue. But if you were on that team that Josh mentioned earlier that got here before he got here, or you're a family with young kids, or you're part of our teams that set up and do ministry in this area, it's not nearly as easy as having a place of your own. We've been portable for coming up on 12 years this fall. It's a long time, and we want a place of our own. 
So we'll be sharing more about that search at our annual meeting, which, as Josh mentioned earlier, is on Sunday the 25th after the 1030 service in the upstairs lobby. To get ready for that meeting, if you're a member or you want to know, there's some prep materials that are available in the lobby today. There's a, a list of officers and our budget. You can get that copy in the lobby or online at prescottcornerstone.com report. But before we turn to the next steps, I just got one more thing I just want to share with you. And it's simple, but it's important. You need to have something to look forward to in order to press forward. Some of you are not pressing forward because you have nothing to look forward to. Like, why would you keep going if there's nothing to be excited about? Like, why would you keep climbing if you're not excited about reaching higher on the mountain? And so I want to encourage you that some of you, your problem is not discouragement. Your problem is planning. Like, if you're not planning and, and pursuing a goal or you don't have something on the calendar or you don't have some, some ambition, then no wonder you don't want to go forward because there's nothing to look forward to there. And this is where the words of Paul, I think, should encourage all of us. In Philippians 3, here's what Paul said. He says, not that I've already reached the goal or the summit or I'm already perfect. He said, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I've been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. We all have a purpose and we all have a calling and it's not behind us, it's ahead of us. So we celebrate the past, we get excited about it, but if you're hiking, just a little tip for you to take home today, if you're hiking while looking backwards, you are going to die. <laughs> I know it's profound, you can write it down if you want to. But the problem for some of us is we're trying to hike up a mountain with our neck looking behind us because we think our best days are in the past. And in the same way you wouldn't hike up an 8,000 meter mountain looking backwards, don't go into this year with your eyes on the past. Look back, celebrate, learn, glean from it. But with Jesus, your best days are always out the front window, not in the rearview mirror. And so we keep going because God has more for us and better for us ahead than anything we've experienced so far. So every message, including this one, ends with next steps. And so here's your first one. I want to encourage you to get a copy of this annual report. We've got one available for every family if you're here in the room. Or if you're watching online, you can go to prescottcornerstone.com slash report. When you get that report, here's what I want you to do. I want you to read it, discuss it, and consider your next step in light of it. Don't just go, oh, that's nice. Good job, Scott. Thanks for putting hard work into that. I want you to read it, and I want you to think about what your next step is. On page 15, the second to last page, there's a number of next steps that you might consider. Number two, I want you to identify your own false summits. Where are you currently battling discouragement and being tempted to give up? Where have you made the top something that actually isn't the top? And I can tell you there was a time where baptizing 20 people as a church seemed impossible. 
There was a time where, where giving a million dollars to missions in five years was impossible. There was a time where when what we gave last year to missions, 204000 was our entire budget. But if we'd made that the summit, we would have settled for far less than God has for us. So that's number two. And then number three, I'd encourage you to pray for our church, our leaders, and the resources to carry out the work God has for us. Because if we're going to invest in your marriage and invest in your discipleship and we're going to have a, a place to call our own, it's going to take more than we have right now. And that's why we need God to provide the resources and God to provide the people. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for this morning. I thank you that we have, that we have stuff to celebrate. We've come through some hard years as a church Years where we couldn't meet here or maybe we couldn't even meet together at all. Years where we didn't see 20 people baptized. Years where, where we didn't see people choosing the path that, that Ryan and Hannah did. Where we didn't see people getting uncomfortable like John did. Maybe people couldn't find us the way that James did. But we thank you. Because everything we have to celebrate, Jesus, is not because of our efforts. It's not because of our greatness. It's because of your goodness and it's because of your grace. And so we give you the glory this morning. We give thanks to you and we rejoice because of you. And though we've climbed up a long mountain, Jesus, there's a better thing in the future for us ahead. There's an upward calling that Paul talked about. In Ephesians, through your servant Paul, you tell us that no, no eye has seen and no ear has heard. You tell us that exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we could ask or imagine is in store for those who are loved by you. So Jesus, we look forward with anticipation. We make plans with hope. And we pray that you'd give us the grace to keep climbing to keep moving forward, to keep trusting in you and keep depending on you because you're the reason that we're here. You're the reason we can have hope. And we thank you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.